Welcome to T3, Today, Tomorrow's Technologies. Your host is Jose Negron. We take the guesswork out of technological jargon so that you know what's next, why it's great or not so great, and how you can benefit from it by learning about it early. Now, here is Jose Negron. Good morning, folks. Welcome, everybody, and welcome to another show on Today, Tomorrow's Technology, the lead technology show on Voice America Variety Channel. We have a very interesting subject today, uh, very applicable. Uh, It's called cybersecurity. What simple things you and I can do to be safe online? Uh, The ever-increasing computers, networks, and even last week we talked about smart smart homes, uh, the ability to get hacked, uh, to lose connectivity in those areas are becoming increasingly important in our awareness and understand how we can protect each other. Uh, Welcome to T3. Uh, The purpose of T3 has always been uh, introducing uh, the lead technologists in the field and then discussing with the non-techies. So we have a better understanding of what the uh, possibilities are of that particular technology or what we can do or learn from. And so therefore, uh, we have a great guest today uh, cybersecurity expert, and we'll uh, we'll continue here in a little bit. Let me tell you a little bit about uh, uh, cybersecurity. How do we define cybersecurity? Because it's all about malware. What's what malware is in my computer, my network system, uh, and and what's it doing to me? And a lot of it has to do with malicious software or a code, or it typically damages or disables or even takes over my computer. So today's discussion about how do we protect ourselves so that we can move forward and and we're going to answer some real simple questions is uh, you know what can I do today so I can be safe online and and today's guest uh, is uh, Dr. Aaron Lakotia a well-known cybersecurity researcher I've known Aaron for gosh a little bit over 10 years he's a professor of computer science at the University of Louisiana Lafayette Raging Cajun and he's also the founder and CEO of Cytrail and Cytrail is a company he started uh, to to think differently and, and I really appreciate that because we get narrowed in our little boxes and we go down this road and we never think outside the box. So uh, his the purpose of his company is thinking about cybersecurity, the uses of the attacks, how to prevent those attacks, and then where are the attacks coming from and the intent and try to predict future attacks. So from there, uh, Aaron and I met uh, um, in 2004 uh, passing between 2001 and four, as we uh, ran the grand challenge, I was a program manager. He says he had a midlife crisis and decided to work on the Cajun bot at that time, a Jeep Wrangler uh, Rubicon, uh, which completed the DARPA grand challenge in 2004. Welcome to the show, Aaron. I uh, appreciate your uh, your attendance here, and I'm really looking forward to our discussion today about cybersecurity. Uh, is there anything I left? off on your resume, or are we good to jump into the program? Uh, uh, Colonel Negron, thanks for inviting me on this show uh, and also uh, giving me the opportunity to share some very simple ideas on a very important topic on how to be safe online. I think you've done good in covering uh, uh, everything, uh, doing a, a good introduction, and I appreciate that, and I'm looking forward to this conversation with you. 
Perfect. And Ben, let's just jump into it. And how did you get started in the cybersecurity business to begin with? Uh, cyber. Uh, uh, let me back up. When we met in the uh, grand challenge, and uh, uh, I mentioned that it was a midlife crisis, uh, so I, I have a little entrepreneurial uh, streak. And uh, at that time, uh, I saw this uh, great challenge, uh, this uh, thing about building a car that drives by itself, and I had uh, zero uh, experience in robotics, absolutely no experience in robotics or uh, building a car or doing anything with a car other than driving it. And uh, it looked like an interesting challenge. I jumped into it with a uh, team, built a nice team, went all the way to the finals. And once the challenge got over, uh, I was looking for another opportunity. And uh, at that time, I could either continue in the self-driving car or I could go back to my research in uh, cybersecurity. And uh, I I decided that I'll go back to my research in cybersecurity and more so uh, continue the research and bring something to market. To turn my research into a product, I had the opportunity to get a a DARPA grant in the cyber, uh, Cyber Genome Project. And we developed something very compelling. Uh, the results were compelling. We, we did extremely well in the DARPA evaluation. And that gave me my uh, first uh, piece that I say, okay, now I've got something. And I don't want this uh, thing I have developed to just uh, linger in the, in the lab and die. Or maybe it will take 10 more years before someone discovers uh, it's worthwhile. So I figured I'll take a plunge and uh, start a company. It's just a different experience from uh, building a team to compete in the ch- grand challenge. This is I'm um, building a uh, team and a product to uh, uh, provide service uh, in the world. So uh, just following my inter- entrepreneurial streak, having fun in life, and doing something things that I enjoy doing, and uh, building stuff. That's how I got into it. Well, I love it because it's uh, always uh, outstanding when you see and Aaron, I talk to you and you have an ambition, you have a, a, you know, a dream and you follow your dreams. And of course, uh, most likely the connection with DARPA and the Genome Project uh, gave you a further push. As we talk about uh, malware and the, the ability of hackers get into our either computer systems. Uh, you know, last week we talked a little bit about smart houses, and we'll get into that later on in the show, how we can protect ourselves. Uh, there's been quite a few breaches. Uh, you know, OPM, uh, Office of Personal Management here in the U.S., the Sony movie uh, fiasco studio, and then, of course, the discussions you can't miss of the Russian hacking or influence in our elections uh, this past uh, year or so. Uh, can you give why an example of why we need to protect ourselves uh, other than those three? I mean, as we move on, we're getting more and more into networking. Every every smartphone hooks up into a smart city, smart house, smart uh, uh, link somewhere. And so it becomes important to protect ourselves. So can you uh, describe a little, little bit about that and what are some of the steps? Uh, sure. Uh uh, so, yeah, right. So we, uh, we see all of these uh, major attacks that are happening around the world. Like, you know, typically here, mostly about the big breaches like the Yahoo or the OPM or Google or uh, LinkedIn. And pretty much every major company has been hacked. What we uh, tend to forget uh, or don't pay attention to is is what's happening on individual homes and individual network networks. 
it turns out that uh, the uh, hackers use uh, machines hacked in uh, people's home, uh, devices hacked in people's uh, uh, home, uh, whether it's routers or your personal computers. They use those uh, equipment to further execute attacks on other environment. So as sort of uh, to cover their uh, track, they will uh, first hack into some uh, simpler machine that's less guarded and use that machine to then uh, further attack other places. And uh, that's a simple way for them to cover their track. So a lot of people don't necessarily take enough uh, uh, action to protect the environment. They don't feel that their machines have anything of significance uh, or the environment or the house they have. They don't have anything of significance or value that uh, someone uh, from Russia or another place could hack in and uh, uh, and. Uh, do some damage to them, but right. uh, they don't re- right. So they don't realize that their machine can be used to execute bigger damage in other places. I think that's the reason why one needs to become more aware about uh, how to protect ourselves, because that's how you'll protect the country as well. Yeah. Correct, and, uh, and a lot of a lot of folks are not. Uh, I guess they're not aware of, or we get lazy and we don't think about it. Uh, as you said, uh, the hacker comes in or intrudes at the simplest point of entry, and that that point becomes very vulnerable uh, for for us, but really easy for the hacker to move through the system, and he jumps to the next uh, system, and that's probably a, a good way where we're losing. Uh, you know our own personal ID uh, because they've uh, able to get into our our computer systems at home, and so that's something. Uh, I, that's the reason we're having the show. I appreciate uh, you coming on, uh, on board to talk a little bit about that for our audience that are out there. If you have questions, uh, please uh, use my Twitter account, my Facebook, or email me today, tomorrow technologies at gmail.com. I'm on, uh, you can also call in at 866-472-5788. We're talking to a leading cybersecurity researcher, uh, Dr. Aaron Lakotia. And he's been doing this for, for my personal opinion, over uh, 15 plus years. And, uh, and we're just learning a little bit more about how we can be safe in our own home. Uh, as I look forward to some of the one, uh, one-on-one steps that individuals can take in protecting their own home environment, Aaron, uh, what would you suggest they do? Uh, there are uh, some very simple things you can do uh, to protect your home environment, and these are almost like a matter of changing habits. It is you don't always have to. At least some of the simple steps you don't really need to introduce new technologies. So, for instance, a very simple first step you could do is make sure your OS and uh, most of the major applications are updated. So, they are like uh, Microsoft uh, will update uh, the OS every now and then, and similarly with Apple or any of these uh, machines, you want to make sure that they are up, up to date. And also, you want to make sure that your uh, browser, the Adobe uh, Viewer, some of the major applications like Flash, they are updated. Now, the reason you want to do that is uh, reasonably uh, simple. And it's a very interesting one. The way, uh, if you understand how attacks happen, uh, a lot of the attacks, the actual breaches are uh, created after 
uh, after a company releases the patches, so once, let's say, Microsoft releases a security patch, after the patch is released, a lot of people, uh, hackers come up with methods to attack uh, Microsoft. And so weird, I mean, it's hard to understand. I mean, there's a reason, re- good logic behind it, but that's a little gory detail. Uh, so since the attacks are designed after the update uh, is released, if you uh, if you patch your machine, if you update your machine right away, uh, you are automatically safe. I mean, very very high chances. That's the first thing you can do. The other uh, uh, simple, the second stuff you can do uh, is uh, uh, how you manage your passwords. Just don't use the same password in every possible site that you can think of. Like, don't reuse password. As simple as that. In every site, every website, you create a different password. And why would you want to do that? The reason is that the hackers, if they get access to your password in some, let's say, weak site, say you are uh, you shop on some mom and pop grocery store dot com or some right. uh, site that's not well protected, and you use the same password as your Gmail password. If you are hacked in that uh, that uh, shop, you are hacked in Gmail. Right. Right. And, right? Yeah, Uh, it's interesting that you, uh, excuse me, Uh, it's interesting that you mentioned that most of the hacking or the penetration happens after software updates. Uh, It does make sense because that way they've got, uh, they're looking for the vulnerabilities and folks who have been lazy uh, not to change their their account uh, uh, pedigree, I guess is the best way to describe it. And, and. And they are able to penetrate your system and then jump to the next uh, higher level. Uh, that's quite interesting on that. Uh, uh, as you continue to look at uh, the cybersecurity field, what's interesting to me is the ability to understand who the attackers are and where they came from. Can you describe that that methodology a little bit from your business? Uh, yeah, yes, uh So uh, look at it. Hackers uh, have also economic constraints. Uh, nowadays, at least all of the hackers, they are mostly uh, either uh, nation-state hackers or they are uh, crime syndicate. And they uh, have to worry about the ROI, return on investment. And uh, if you look at the method of hacking, all of that is involved in hacking. It is extremely expensive uh, to find a way to penetrate, let's say, Microsoft uh, uh, browser or OS. It's expensive. People pay uh, half a million dollars, a million dollars or so to find a new breach. Uh, Developing malware is expensive. It's a software. You have a team of people who need to write the software. executing the attack, managing uh, the networks that they hack, it's expensive. And so uh, what happens is uh, the hackers, given that the costs involved, they cannot reuse, they cannot change things every night, every day. They cannot come up with a new breach uh, every day. They cannot come up with a new software, uh, that uh, uh, malware every day. They cannot create a new network for managing uh, the uh, hacked machines every day. So this constancy that you have is what we can leverage to understand uh, the attacker, their intent, and uh, where they are. So even though there is constancy, the hackers use methods to obfuscate. They try to use deceptions so you cannot really connect two different days, uh, attacks that you see on two different days. So they, they change the malware. They change uh, the malware as if uh, it's a different code, but it's really the same code. 
So if we can sort of connect the observations we have every day, like you have uh, people hitting uh, your uh, your network uh, every day, and if you can uh, determine, if you can make connections between the attacks you see every day, uh, you can uh, potentially track the hackers. You can right. see well the hacker, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry. No, continue on. I just yeah, agree with so the point see, that you can see the hackers coming in. Yeah, so if you have a, let's say from a, taking a DOD example here, if you have a hacker trying to penetrate a base in, let's say, Germany, and uh, you see the similar, you can connect the activities to a hacker trying to uh, uh, penetrate a base in Australia or someone penetrating the base in uh, within the mainland. If you can make the connections between those attacks, then you get a sense of whether it's the same hacker, whether it's the same group. Uh, you can get us what uh, in a uh, DOD jargon would be situational awareness about the threat activities outside your network. We're not even talking about people inside the network. They've not yet breached. They're still trying to breach. And if you can get a situational awareness of threat activities outside your network, you can be more ready, better prepared to defend your network. And that's the space, that's the thinking we are bringing in. That can you get okay. a situational awareness? Can you learn from all the activities that you see of hackers attempting to penetrate? They're just still trying. They're just trying. Can we right. make a connection between them to okay. uh, to track attackers? Go ahead. Well, you uh, informed us. We've got about a 30 seconds. So let me just uh, uh, summarize a little bit of what we learned today. Uh, of course, our subject today is cybersecurity, what simple things we can do today to be safe online. And one of the, uh, I guess, uh, one of the first tips is have strong uh, uh, passwords, change them regularly, and try not to share them with everybody. Uh, uh, the main point that you brought up is keep your operating systems, browsers, and critical software uh, optimized with install updates, maintain an open dialogue with other folks so that they can uh, uh, guide you more than anything else. We're going to go off to our first break. We'll be back with our guest today, uh, Dr. Lakotia, and he's a real cyber expert, and I had the privilege of meeting him at the Grand Challenge running the Cajun bot. All right. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Are you ready for a disaster? If you are like many people in the world, that answer may sadly be no. 
Disasters happen unexpectedly to people just like you every day. Tune into Preparing for the Unexpected with business continuity and disaster planning expert Alex Fullick. The show will not only help you better prepare for a disaster itself, but also to prepare you, your place of employment, and community for the aftermath emotionally, financially, and with a better level of awareness and a stronger feeling of resiliency. Tune in Thursdays at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you ever given any thought to what is behind your insurance coverage? Many of us don't think of it as more than that premium you pay on a regular basis. Of course, until you actually need to use it. On CYA with Rhonda, you'll learn to cover your assets and find out what all of that insurance mumbo-jumbo really means. If you're looking for a lucrative career option, Rhonda Lukey will explain how to get into the insurance business. Listen live every Friday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time and 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Today, Tomorrow's Technologies. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to today, tomorrow's technologies at gmail.com. Now, back to our show. Welcome back, everybody. And uh, we're speaking to Dr. Lakotia, uh, leading expert and CEO founder of Cyreal. Cyreal is a leading uh, cybersecurity company. Uh, it's looking at attacks in a variety of different manners, but really outside the box. It's using its ability to uh, understand the attack, uh, understand how to prevent the attack, and then predict future attacks. And our, our guest today, is, of course, is also a professor at Lafayette. We have been talking about uh, cybersecurity and some of the simple things, uh, one-on-one. Uh, critical is to, of course, use uh, the current utility updates, uh, have a strong password, and, and be conscious of what is going on out there. Uh, malware is introduced to take over your, your particular computer, uh, to disrupt it, to damage it, uh, and totally take over. So we need to be conscious of how we go about protecting protecting ourselves. Last week, we had the opportunity to talk about smart homes and smart houses. And and that deals with a lot of networking, plugging into your system at home. uh, And then if you want to plug in your lights, you want to plug in your uh, fans, uh, air conditioning units, uh, light bulbs, uh, all kinds of, uh, even the stove. uh, My understanding is uh, I have a stove that can be uh, um, turned on, turned off through my uh, network system. So I've asked Aaron to talk a little bit about some of the key methods or some of the safety tips he would suggest uh, for me and for the audience out there who are who have a smart home or considering a smart home. So Aaron, uh, what are some of the steps some of the folks can continue to protect themselves in a smart home? Uh, I think uh, this is an extremely important topic and I'm uh, glad, Colonel, uh, you're bringing uh, uh, it for discussion here. Uh, so we have all these uh, new types of appliances, these smart appliances that you can now put in your environment, uh, like you mentioned, refrigerators, thermostats, switches, and all things that you can control from outside. 
And so uh, with this, I think it's important to uh, come up with an awareness uh, here that if you can connect to these devices from outside, uh, that also implies that you've created a, created a gateway into your house. There's a path in your house from outside all the way to your TV, to your refrigerator, to your thermostat, to your uh, other devices. And uh, those devices are just not just a path into the house. Those devices are within your network. Uh, and when they are within your network, that means they can have access, they could potentially have access to more than what you think they have access to. But uh, I think it's a very important uh, thing to be concerned about how do we secure ourselves. So the way I like to visualize this is think of you have a lot of different employees that you have to help you in the house. Uh, they are not your family members. There's a lot of people who are just running around your house helping you uh, cook, a chauffeur, and whatnot. When you're one of those rich guys, you got a lot of... And uh, you still have to protect your property from them. And uh, so the one simple thing, any method you do is uh, have a way to isolate, uh, isolate areas that these workers can access and areas that they cannot access. Uh, and that you can do with these current routers. So you could create a network, a separate network where you connect all your IoT devices, all your devices that are communicating with the outside world. And you create a, a, a put all your computers, laptops, and uh, your personal uh, machines in which you are directly interacting, where you keep your personal information on a separate network. So at the minimum, if you isolate the network, then you make it harder, not impossible, but relatively harder for people who enter your environment, your network, through the weak switch or a weak thermostat or a weak uh, refrigerator, uh, you, uh, you make it harder for the attacker to then go also access your personal information and steal it. So the first thing I'd recommend is to partition, put them on separate network. If needed, put them on two separate physical routers. Uh, so that's my first recommendation. And, that's uh, perfect. That's perfect because uh, as I am developing and expanding my network, uh, Aaron, uh, I notice in one of the questions I had is, uh, do I keep them united or begin to separate them to add more complexity and more protection? So uh, your su suggestion is timely for me. So that is very good. What would be your suggestion number two? Uh, suggestion number two. So each of these uh, machines go talk outside and they probably require an account or a credential or somehow identify you. If you can partition those as well, so don't use your Gmail account, for, uh, for example, for uh, connecting or uh, authenticating or uh, anything for your refrigerator. Use a separate account. Maybe create a separate account, like say IOTKernelNagron.com uh, or, uh, or different uh, uh, accounts for each. Uh, so in that sense, any data that goes outside your network uh, at least doesn't can't easily be connected just based on your email address or or. Uh, if one email address gets, gets hacked, you're not compromising all of the other addresses. So keep separate, use separate addresses, not just separate passwords, because those email addresses are themselves unique identifiers, and those identifiers can be used to connect information. So that's my second recommendation there. That's, that's good. And uh, do you have the third one? Yes, uh, the third, your weakest links. Everything that you connect will be connected through your router. And turns out you have to, people 
don't look at the router as an internet device. It's sort of hidden. It's out of the view. You focus on your computer, your switches, your refrigerators, and so on. But it's really the router that connects everything that you have inside your home to the internet. And routers are the ones that are hacked nowadays. I mean, that's the weakest spot. You don't look at it to be patching uh, uh, to keep the router updated. You don't really look at the router on a daily basis. My recommendation is to update the routers, just like you would update your Windows OS and your other apps, update your routers, because uh, most recent attacks that people have seen, some of the very widespread botnets, they have been, uh, uh, they have executed by uh, hacking, uh, hacking routers. And uh, I actually yes. found one. I mean, I had a personal experience here. I was in a uh, Airbnb I, uh, in uh, New York City, and I wasn't sure whether this person had a very secure uh, network. And so I was using the Wi-Fi, but first thing I said is, hey, let me verify if the Wi-Fi is secure. So uh, I, I got the bus model, and I go online and find the admin password for it, and I was able to connect to the uh, password uh, to the box. And on that box, I saw there were connections that were very, very uh, indicative of a botnet, uh, a hacked botnet connection. So wow. uh, that is a really a weak spot, and we must pay attention to that. Okay. Now that you introduce your uh, exploits, uh, do you uh, do you have any others or any comical or other experiences as you travel around and stay with other folks? Uh, so, yeah, so you have uh, other is you use uh, two-factor authentication. So one of the common thing is people would uh, somehow get access to your credentials and uh, to protect that uh, hacking, say someone guesses your password of sort, let's say someone connects uh, from a different country into your account. Uh, in Gmail or Facebook or any other place. And so most of the uh, good sites, they provide a notion of two-factor authentication. So when they see you connect, uh, try to log in from a completely different machine that you've not logged in from before, they will ask you a, a separate channel or a separate channel to verify yourself. So, for example, you give you a login password, but they will then send you a text on your phone to, uh, and that you have to give the code and you enter the code to get in. And there are other models of two-factor authentication. I would strongly recommend you uh, two-factor authentication in everything that you use, not just one piece, because remember, there's a one-week uh, link will uh, bring the whole chain down. No, I agree, and uh, the two... Uh Two-way authentication is an increasing mode that most banks are using and uh, exchanges like that. So that just gives you better protection. One, one thing I will add, uh, as we continue to talk about cybersecurity, uh, from the education or a pathway of entering cybersecurity uh, force, uh, I know I'm looking at uh, before if you wanted to become a cybersecurity guy, uh, you took a lot of computer courses and you maybe did a couple search, professional search, and then you were there. But I think the industry, it's such a wide industry now that they're actually looking not only for computer network operators, but information system operators, vulnerability discovery folks, info assurance, project managers, uh, database managers, telecommunication, real-time interfaces. 
uh, information resource managers. I understand that even uh, graphics and web design and, uh, and possibly some literature because you're going to have to write and describe uh, how to prevent and how to spoil some of these attacks. So it's quite interesting that the profession itself has uh, blossomed. And if you really want to become a cybersecurity professional, you have a capability uh, to use some of your liberal arts, I guess, activity with a little bit of your hard science activities. So it's quite interesting. As you teach students uh, at the university, what are some of their basic questions? So, uh, yes, the students coming in, the young uh, generation, and they've lived, uh, they've been born or brought up at least on uh, connected devices. So they're, uh, and they've, uh, their whole life is pretty much document, documented on Facebook or uh, other sources. So their uh, view of security or their view of vulnerability is uh, very different. They don't necessarily realize the, uh, how exposed they are. They have not uh, been trained to think in a different way. It's like if you're in a playground, uh, people teach you, hey, don't talk to strangers. Don't take candies from strangers. The playground, people have a sense that, you know, there's a notion of strangers. You need to take certain action to be secure. But they have not received the same information about this playground called the Internet, where you don't interact with the strangers or be careful. And so they come with a very different perspective of what uh, the level of vulnerability we have. And uh, a good time, it's an eye-opener when we start talking about the issues there. Uh, Let me give a very simple example. Uh, You go to any site and you create an account and they will ask you for what's, uh, uh, in case you lose your password, we're going to ask you some personal question and they give you a list of personal questions. And one of the questions would be, hey, uh, what's your favorite pet, name of your pet? Or they might have a question like, which high school did you graduate from? Or a question like, what's your mother's maiden name? These are questions supposedly uh, that only you know answer to, and therefore if you give the answers, uh, you you somehow validate or authenticated yourself, and the site will let you change the password. But uh, realistically now, you can find this information, these kind of information for anyone and everyone on the Internet, on Facebook. Facebook people are putting pictures of their pets. They are in groups or associated with people they went to high school with. They have their whole family in their Facebook clan. The whole clan is connected. And you can find mother's maiden name and everyone else's maiden name on Facebook. So none of these questions are really, the answers to those questions are really no more personal. They are available. They are everywhere. And so now uh, that's a thing that opens up their eyes that, you know, this information that you've been happily putting everywhere, you're using the same information to identify yourself uh, when you want to change password. Yes. I, I noticed that the other day. I lost the account and asked for my password again, and I guess it must have been using a different computer to start going through the same questions, and I'm going, wow, I'm, I'm filling this out uh, for the second time. And, and, and not only that, uh, it's been, a, uh, I guess, a store that I've been at for quite a long time. So it, it's kind of interesting as you answer those questions. Uh, I guess the best way to do it is uh, the two, uh, two-way uh, security or authentication. 
authentication uh, where you, you do the password, they send you the text, and then you respond with both the text and the password code. Uh, so that, to me, I feel a little bit safer. As you go through uh, discussing you know, what your students like to enter, uh, once they enter the computer science field, what, what are they looking at? Uh, becoming a professor, going into cybersecurity, uh, uh, helping somebody's network, uh, becoming a network engineer? Where, where is the current trend right now leading to? So uh, one of the big trends uh, is that on the both sides, there's a defense side and there's an uh, offense side. And uh, now there's a lot of companies, all of the major companies, for example, Microsoft or Google or uh, even companies like airlines, like United Airlines, Air, uh, American Airlines, they all have this so something called a bounty program or something to that effect where they uh, they give a reward. They reward you for uh, breaking into their computers and telling them how you did that. And uh, uh, the basic thinking goes that, you know, uh, uh, if these people, if a hacker can break into your computer, give you the information, now you can turn around and make it more secure. It's sort of like a testing, but you are opening up to the world. So they have bounty programs now. And that is a very interesting space of growth for people with uh, this, uh, you know, hacking mentality. They, they just want to take a challenge and uh, find a way to break into a machine or a network or a computer. So uh, I wouldn't say it's a big growth, but there's, a, there, there's an interesting space that uh, is uh, attracting attention. Uh, of course, there's a normal, there's a usual protecting a network space, but that is a part that I find very exciting. Right, right. And I, I think uh, today we've got to protect the network. It, I call it in layers, uh, you know, from the, the outside ring to the two or three innermost rings to your system itself. We've got about a minute left. Let me just wrap up the, this session as we uh, move to our second commercial break. But most importantly, I mean, the key item, takeaways for this section is, you know, how do you uh, protect your smart home? You're talking about partitioning the network, uh, you talked a little bit about authentication, having uh, 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 several accounts, don't use the same account. Yeah, that routers always be, you know, be attacked and be aware of your routers and keep them updated. And then of course the uh, two-way authentication probabilities that you can use. Those are simple one-on-one basic uh, ways you can protect yourself. When we come back, I'll dig into a little bit more of Aaron's past on cybersecurity. This is your host, Jose Negron at uh, Voice America. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Do you know that over 70% of Americans with severe disabilities are unemployed? Are you one of the 2.5 million Americans with epilepsy? If you are or know someone struggling with these issues, tune in to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. On the show, Joyce will discuss these issues as well as others. She will have on nationally known guests that will offer helpful insight on disability matters and let you, the listener, call in with your questions and concerns. So if you struggle with a disability or know someone who does, listen to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. Heard every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time here on VoiceAmerica.com. Have you checked out Teen Wealth Radio? 
It's a show for teens, their parents, and educators. Hosted by Brandy England. Along with regular weekly contributors, Teen Wealth Radio will cover the topics that teens need to talk about. Plus, we discuss a book of the week and a movie of the week. And each show will offer a challenge to our teen listeners that they can share on our private Facebook group page. Be sure to tune in to Teen Wealth Radio, live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety. Where are you getting your advice on buying, selling, or maintaining your most important asset, your home? Is it from a reality show on cable TV, a comparison website, or are you just flying by the seat of your pants and gut instinct? Stop now before you make another move. Tune into Real Real Estate Today with host and realtor Deb Tomorrow. You can't afford to play guesswork when it comes to your new or existing home. Listen every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific, on Voice America Variety. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Today, Tomorrow's Technologies. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to todaytomorrowstechnologies at gmail.com. Now, back to our show. Welcome back, folks. Welcome to T3. Your host, Jose Negron. And we have a very exciting guest, Dr. Aaron Lakotia. He's uh, CEO of Cyreal uh, Inc. It's a cybersecurity company. And I'd like to ask him a little bit more about his company and how you can get in touch with him. Aaron, uh, tell us a little bit about your company and then how can folks reach out to you? Sure. Uh, uh, so, uh my company, Cytero Inc., uh, it also, uh, we have a product in the market uh, that helps you, uh, that brings a new concept, new thinking in the market. So uh, the way I uh, like to think about it is like the current model of security is something like this. You build a fence around your house. You have a very nice eight-foot fence, and you're proud of your big fence. And then, uh, but you're still you know, not sure whether people may uh, break in. So you wait. You wait inside the house and you wait for someone to jump over the fence. And when someone jumps over the fence, you scramble. You scramble to figure out what's happened. Now, uh, all along, you've been hearing this uh, hits against the fence, this thirds. Someone is trying to knock on your fence outside, but you're not doing anything about it. So that's my model of, I, I feel, cybersecurity model. You You keep waiting. Uh, until you, you build these barriers, you put your routers, you sorry, firewall, you put all kind of uh, antivirus and everything on all the gates that you have, and then you don't really pay attention to who is trying to knock them down. All you do is wait until someone jumps over the fence, and when someone jumps over the fence, you, like, raise alarm, and you go, like, all wild trying to figure out what happened. What we say is, well, uh, why don't we just look at everything that the all the attempts, all the activities, all the ways that someone is trying to break in? Let's look at the ways people are trying to break in, and let's learn from those attempts to figure out who is the attacker, what are they trying to do, what are they after, and I mean, why is this someone uh, spending all this time and energy trying to break down your fence? 
And so that right. is the new thinking. And uh, so uh, we have a product that where we focus on the specific weapon of the uh, attackers. Attackers use malware to penetrate your environment. They somehow try to introduce malware in your environment, but you've got these nice antivirus scanners, your malware detectors all sitting around, and they, they most of the time, those are your fences. They most of the time keep things out. And the attacker's job is to somehow uh, keep changing the malware so that it can jump the fence. What we do is we pick up all the malware that your uh, your antivirus has kept out, things that have not made it through the network. They've, they've just been kept out, things that you don't worry about today, things that you just throw them out and say, okay, it didn't jump the fence, so I don't care. So we pick that up and we analyze this using the technology we developed in the DARPA Cyber Genome uh, Project. And we find the traces of uh, the attacker. We, we connect the attacks and we say, hey, this attack that I happened yesterday is the same thing that happened day before. Or the malware that was sent to the CEO today, the same thing is coming to her, uh, his secretary. Or the malware that went to the uh, sales department in, uh, in D.C. Uh, we are seeing the same uh, malware coming to your sales department in New York. So uh, these are not malware that have gone through, but these are malware that you have stopped. But they tell you about the attacker. And so what we do is we connect this, we find uh, how uh, we find that there's a coordinated attack, the same attacker coming over and over again. And uh, from there we do the, another next step. We look at all the attacks and we say, hey, is your fence getting weak? How 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 badly is your fence damaged? And that is to say that you have your antivirus sitting there and uh, it's uh, taking those hits. Now, what is the chances that your antivirus will croak and break and now people will enter? So we do an assessment of how good is your antivirus in uh, in uh, defending against these, this particular type of attack. And so from there we get uh, your assessment. We do a sort of a vulnerability assessment that you look, your fence is getting weak. Uh, better do something. And so uh, we determine uh, whether your fence is getting weak, and then we go one more step further. Well, you have a contractor who manages a fence, so what we do is we send a message to the contractor, in this case the antivirus company, with all the indications that we have collected and why we believe your fence is getting weak. And so we send all that information to your antivirus company, and then the antivirus company now has advanced information. Before the attack has succeeded, it now has some information that now it can use uh, to make your fence stronger. So it's sort of like come back and rebuild, make it stronger. So in this case, they can send patches to the antivirus, the scanners on your network, to defend against the particular attack that is hitting your network. So I think that's a pretty exciting stuff you're bringing in a market where we look at the attacks that are happening in your network, make a connections, go back to your antivirus company and say, hey, look, these are things that are happening in, your, in my network, and now they send back a reinforcement to your network to uh, make it stronger. 
Perfect, perfect. So is uh, th- that is a, a leading product that is going to be is on the market today, and I, I noticed that uh, quite a few uh, um, industries and companies are using that. Uh, for example, uh, the various governments and banks and so forth. Uh, one of the things I liked about the product is it's uh, the automation tool set. Uh, but the, as you said, it's uh, it's an indication and warning for the malware. Uh, your technology wraps that malware and gives you the analysis of that malware where it tells you that uh, you have weakness in your system and then it also sends out the message advising uh, what you should do about that. So that gives you pre-warning on a lot of stuff. Uh, as the industry continues to move down this path, I see this type of product becoming, should be almost a norm. Uh, how, how are you, you impacting the industry? Uh, so uh, I think it's a first level is a very different uh, model of thinking. Uh, this uh, it is a uh, we are bringing in the market. So we've had some very good successes, very good uh, uh, initial results. And so when we have uh, tried it, uh, we brought it into a company first, and we got their data, and uh, we showed the results. I mean, uh, first they didn't believe us. They didn't think that uh, you know there is anything useful sitting in the uh, malware that has been blocked. So uh, we analyzed the data, we showed them that, look, there is this pattern, we, we, we gave them the results, and they, it was an extremely big, uh, big surprise. So our initial, uh, initial uh, experience has, is extremely uh, positive, extremely positive. Uh, we are still an early stage company, so we are building upon the, uh, the excitement we have uh, developed and the early successes we have. And uh, I believe we are positioned to significantly change how the uh, anti-malware industry works. If you look at how uh, most uh, anti-malware companies like Symantec or McAfee and so on, they generate your, uh, they generate new signatures. They currently do it uh, from data that they receive after after malware has breached. So most of the time yes. they would have a, have a big company say, hey, look, I have this problem, and then they go fix it. We change it. We say we can do it before someone succeeds. So I think that's a very new thinking we are bringing. No, I totally agree. I think uh, it's a more robust product. It gives you a more active defense is what I, you need to do. Uh, it's, uh, it's not as passive as uh, other systems that I've seen. Uh, the good thing about it is the industry is now hungry with all these breaches to uh, understand a little bit more of, uh, I'm going to call it active cyber protection and active uh, defense so that it can take action, either uh, understand where the malware where uh, is coming from, what is the malware, how to uh, uh, react to it. And I think uh, uh, most of that is very important uh, so that you can develop a strong uh, defense mechanism. As we move along and your your company's growing and you've got uh, projects out there, uh, let's go back to your night job uh, teaching students. Uh, what, are the, what are the some of the key indications that they are are very interested or do you see a rise in the computer science I know when I started in the early 70s I mean computer science was the thing to get into uh, I see it still growing uh, at a relatively uh, fast pace uh, when you talk about machine to machine AI uh, uh, artificial intelligence uh, all the things we've talked 
talked about here on the show today. I just see that as an increasing domain of uh, uh, or a need to educate oneself in. Uh, what do you think as you talk to your students and you get their reactions? So, uh, so uh, cybersecurity is a very exciting new space, and uh, it is pretty wide. So, uh, in terms of the kind of expertise or talent you need in it, it is not just all hacker where you need to somehow get into the network and break it, and you don't necessarily need to be a strong hacker alone to get in. So, so for example, one of the weakest link in uh, security is person people. And there's a whole class of attacks called the social engineering attacks that are as simple as someone calling the secretary and asking for a password in a sense. I mean, as, as naive, as simple as that. Uh, but those are the attacks that seem to be more very successful. So to prevent those kind of attacks, you don't necessarily need to be a, a great computer scientist and so on. So uh, there are there's a need for people on the extreme end from liberal arts uh, background who have a, a better uh, they they understand people uh, more than a, let's say a computer science person does uh, to play a significant role in uh, making uh, an enterprise or network more secure. Uh, there is a need for people who are technologists, people who are who tinkerers, who build, uh, who connect networks or connect machines together, but they don't, they don't necessarily write software. And there is a need for the people of the, that kind of experience to uh, to uh, look at the networks, whether uh, your network is secure, to configure a sec- uh, network, make it secure, or to test a network to see whether it's secure or not. And similarly, uh, for uh, more technician-oriented people who, who like to tinker, to check machines are secure or not. So there's a space for tinker. And then the, on the other extreme, there's people who want to write code and people who want to actually create new machines and new architectures and so on. There's a space, so there's a lot of uh, needs on the extreme. So the great thing about cybersecurity is you have... Uh, uh, you have a lot of needs. You don't necessarily have to be an IT graduate to play a role. The industry is growing, and uh, you, if you have the inclination to uh, uh, to think like a, uh, to worry about security, to be to 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 think about how a person may penetrate your network, or what can you uh, tell people? How can you change, uh, make people change their habits? How can you change your employees to think differently? If you have those inclinations, you have a, a, a opportunity to play a role in it. Right, and, right. Uh, well, as we come, uh, as we come to a close, of your, uh, listeners, uh, listeners of the show are veterans. I think there are significant initiatives there for training veterans. So veterans are returning veterans uh, to train them uh, in security. And they already have a certain thinking and expertise. They, they think uh, they can uh, think like an adversary. They, can, uh, they have been on the battleground, and the cyber battleground is really no different. The tools are different, but the methods are same. So I think okay. the uh, veterans can play a very significant role here as well. 
Well, thank you very much, Aaron. As we have uh, got about a minute left and I wrap up the today's uh, program, I want to personally thank you for uh, giving our audience an uh, opportunity to listen to you and providing some safety tips. I think uh, I'm sitting here looking at uh, the CNET article by Dong No, and he brings out uh, a couple logical steps that you need to keep uh, aware of. Just as you mentioned, uh, you know, setting, uh, uh, setting the router uh, in ensuring that you have parallel authentications, uh, ensuring that you have uh, double email accounts. All those things are important. Anyway, I'd like to thank my audience for listening. This is your host, Jose Negron, on Voice America on the Variety Channel. Until next week, we'll be talking about drone technology. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Today, Tomorrow's Technologies. We hope you'll join your host, Jose Negron, for another exciting program next Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Enjoy the rest of your week.